Now you've just put yourself in a completely different situation or potential than you ever had working for anybody else. I never thought the business would make a million dollars. Last year we made 10. Welcome to the Get Clear with Crystal Ware podcast, the place where we get clear on our goals, own our worth, and learn to be the CEOs of our own lives. I'm your host, Crystal Ware, lawyer and former Fortune 500 corporate leader who found the confidence to say goodbye to a lucrative career and start my own business. Now I'm opening up the playbook and sharing everything I've learned to get you there faster. It may not be easy, but it will always be worth it because you are made for more. So put on your big girl pants, jump on board, and let's reach for the stars. Are you ready to get clear? We are excited to launch and start off the podcast with the one and only Robin Story, one of the top voices of LinkedIn, uh, 300, 400, 500,000 followers, great content. What an amazing writer. Um, but more importantly, Robin was a human resources executive who decided that she needed something different out of life, that she was looking for a way to have an awesome, exciting career and still support her family, her kids, and all the other things that come along with being a working mom. So I am thrilled to have Robin here as our very first guest on Get Clear with Crystal Ware. And we have a great conversation waiting for you. So with that being said, Robin, I would love for you to tell us a little bit about your background and how you got to be here where you are today. Robin's story, storyline resumes, and LinkedIn top voice. Oh, how nice. Well, thank you. Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate it. Um, you know, I always joke that Storyline Resumes was born because um, all I really wanted to do was get my kids on and off the bus, right? I mean, I worked in corporate America, work long hours, just like so many other people out there, did some traveling, you know, did the eight to five, did the eight to six and, you know, had to take the kids to mom's in the morning, um, you know, and should get them on the bus. And it just became such a rat race. Um, and I was, you know, kind of looking for things that I could do. Um, I felt like I was too young to actually be a consultant of any sort. Um, but it, it just so happened that a friend of my husband's who was an engineer, um, reached out to me one day and said, Hey, you hire people all the time. Will you help me with your resume? And I'm like, absolutely. Come on over. So, you know, I remember sitting at the kitchen table like it was yesterday and taking notes and asking about his job and his company and what he was doing and what he felt like his impact was for that organization. We talked about his team. And so to make a long story short, you know, I ended up writing up his resume. He ended up sending it to one place. That was back in the day, 23 years ago, by the way, uh, when you still took it and you got it printed on, you know, nice paper. <laughs> and you handed it I to started out in those days too, someone. so I remember that. <laughs> the ivory paper days, yeah. So, uh, and he sent it to one place and he ended up getting the interview and getting the job. Well, you know, a couple of weeks later, uh, a friend of his actually called the house and said, hey, you know, Cliff said that you did his resume. Would you be interested in doing mine? I'm like, sure, come on over. So, you know, for a couple of months, there were people coming in and out of the house. And my husband finally said to me, my husband's an account, by the way. Uh, my husband finally said to me, why are you doing all this for free? And I said, I love it. I just love these stories and I love their backgrounds and I want to be helpful. And, um, you know, it was just so much fun. And he said, you should start charging people 50 bucks. <laughs> so that's how it was born. So I started charging $50 a resume and that's how it started. And um, I was probably about a year removed uh, from my, or a year in my position um, after this all started. And I said to my husband, you know what? I think I can turn this into a business. And he said um, to me, you know, thank goodness for, you know, good supportive spouses on, you know, both sides. He said, I'll tell you what, if you can cover the groceries, I can float us for a while until you figure out whether or not you can make a business of this. So I gave up an executive level position. I took a job waiting tables. So I would be home with the kids all day, uh, figuring out how I was going to turn resume writing into a business. He would come home. I would go and wait tables at night. So for about the first six or eight months, that's what we did. I covered the groceries. He covered everything else. Well, then I got online and then I had a website and then I got on LinkedIn, you know, a few years later. 
I did some advertising, did a little bit of networking. And so for the first three or four years, it was just me. I would, you know, be with the kiddos during the day. Um, Sometimes I would take a call with a client or two. I would interview them about their experiences. And then by then, of course, you know, everything was email and digital. And, you know, uh, you know, I even have it, had a few clients, you know, would put it on a floppy disk and drop it in the mail, whatever. <laughs> and then that's how it was born. So I did that, you know, day after day, week after week uh, for several years. And then about four years into it, um, I started getting a steady stream of business, steady stream of clients. And that's when I hired my first writer. And now here we are. Uh, 23 years later, I've got a staff of last count, I think 62 people. Um, and we help on average anywhere from two to 300 new customers per week. So hundreds of thousands of customers through the years. And it has been quite the adventure. I am accidentally successful, to be honest with you. You know, that's what I always call it. Um, and it's just been so fun. I have loved this business, have a real passion for people and their stories. And I can't tell you, it's like Christmas Day every day around here. You never, ever know who's going to be on the other end when you pick up the phone. Wow. So what I heard is that you were really doing a side hustle. It started as a side hustle before side hustling was even a thing. Like you kind of That's just... Right took an opportunity to do something that felt good, working with somebody else, helping somebody else, and took that little nugget of idea and built it from there. Is that, you know, accurate? Yeah, I mean, it's completely accurate. And I truly believe that my husband and I um, grew up in families that were not wealthy, right? So we certainly didn't have a silver spoon between us. Um, and we were used to sacrifice. And I think that that's a little bit of the difference between then and now. A lot of people, when they're starting out, you know, maybe they want to immediately have the, the same kind of things that their parents did. Maybe they immediately want to own a big house or maybe they immediately want to have a fancy car, whatever. Um, and I'm not saying that that's not great. Of course, I, I think that's, you know, fantastic. Whatever your goals are, your goals. But when you're willing to make the sacrifices, both of your time and financially to sort of get something off the ground, um, you're in a different position. If I were a person, um, who had been used to quote the finer things in life or, you know, living in a big house or driving a really fancy car or having a big clothes budget or whatever the case may be. I don't know that I would have made the sacrifice to give up a corporate, a six figure job um, to start something on my own that didn't, you know, really produce a dime of profit for three or four years. So I think that you have to be on the mindset that Number one, it's something that you want to do that you are willing to make a bit of a sacrifice for. And there really is no sort of get rich quick, right? It's something that you'll grow. And as you continue to grow it, the more money that you'll make. Yeah. But now hindsight is twenty twenty, right? We can, you can look in the past and see what, you know, how everything came to be and sure. then where you are today. And so, yes, that, that can be such a difficult place for women or men to to make a transition to something that may be a better fit for their lives or right. something that's going to be more resonating with them. But then it comes to dollars and cents and that changes things. Now, when we look at you, it's kind of easy to say that, wow, it paid off, right? So if you can have a few years of sacrifice, it can pay off leaps and bounds. Um, is there anything that you would change? Is there anything you know about the financial aspect um, that made it difficult, but tenable or anything else that you would want somebody to hear? Yeah. I mean, I think that, you know, I wish I would have known more about where to spend or invest my money. So I was in a situation where I was, you know, I was making money, but I was constantly reinvesting it back into the business, better websites, better technology, you know, more people on board, uh, advertising, I was throwing dollars everywhere without really knowing what was effective or how to measure it. So I think that um, if I could go back, you know, 20 years and give myself some advice, um, I would have hired um, someone who understood marketing and advertising, um, how to track the dollars, what's effective, what's not effective for winning business and, you know, putting your business out there. Um, and I would have also um, hired an accountant. 
because it seemed like for me, as the money was coming in, I was spending it. I wasn't really setting anything aside, not for years, right? Um, so uh, again, to sort of reiterate the 20 years ago, what was the advice that I would give my you know self for 20 uh, years ago me? Um, it would be that. It would be a bookkeeper or an accountant, someone to sort of keep track and someone that understood where to spend those dollars. I remember doing a campaign on super pages. I don't know if you're old enough to remember super pages. Um, So it was the like um, online phone book, you know, back in the day, the phone company used to print out phone books and they sent them to your house. Well, then they start, you know, they started going technical and more digital. And they had this um, company called Super Pages. It was the Verizon sort of online phone book. And I did a campaign and it was $1,200 a month, which was a lot of money, you know, back then. Wow. And I was sort of afraid to commit to it. And I remember saying to the sales rep, you know, I don't know what I'd really like to get out of this is, you know, two new customers a day. And she said, well, I'm going to be honest with you. I don't think there's a market for 10 new, cus- two, 10 new resume customers <laughs> a week. <laughs> and I said, okay well, you know, how many do you think that I can get? And she said, well, maybe four or five. And I thought, well, okay, you know what? Let's start out. I did and I committed to it. It didn't work out the way that I wanted to. Um, My business grew really organically. LinkedIn was a huge thing, other uh, social media, but the referrals for me were key. I have customers, you know, that go back in the archives that would find me, you know, in the phone book or online or on Google ads or whatever, you know, we would work with them. I would work with their spouses when their kids graduated from college, they would give us a call. The referral network, when you are so involved in someone's journey, um, can be immense. And I think that that is really kind of an untapped avenue uh, for a lot of small business owners. They're not really asking for uh, their customers to send them business, and they should be. So what do you think is the best way to do that? Do you like, um, I see all the different kinds of ways. I mean, some people just outright ask, you know, hey, we love referrals. We build on referrals. Do you have a link at the bottom of your emails that ask for referrals? What is kind of the method in your, you know, tried and true experience of how to best do that? Well, back in the day when we would wrap up a resume package for a client, we would send an email, right? And then that email would be all their attachments, their resume in different versions, a copy of their LinkedIn profile, their cover letter bio, whatever it is that they ordered. And then I would have this list of all the tips and tools for how to conduct an effective job search. Just because, you know, we want people to leave us not only with their new resumes, but also feeling empowered about what the hell they're going to do with this information, right? And where are they going to put this to work? And how are they going to go find jobs? And what are the best tools um, to apply for positions? And then I would put a little bit about, you know, here, connect with me on LinkedIn, um, you know, come back to us for updates and here's how to send us a referral. And that's really how it started. We never really did like a whole big referral program or anything like that. It wasn't like you had to give people something. As long as people were happy with um, their experience with you, they're always happy to send their friends and their family and their coworkers. I mean, I've had clients that have through the years probably sent me three or 400 um, you know, new customers. That says a lot about what they think about us, our process, and what their results were like, because they're only really sending you business if it turned out the way they wanted it to. Absolutely. And in sales, that's kind of the, the I mean, what you do it doesn't seem directly sales oriented, but obviously you're selling a service and we call that, you know, the centers of influence and how incredible that can be for a sales oriented uh, organization to develop those centers of influence that way. Uh, Because it also, you know, says a lot, like you mentioned, um, when you're getting that referral from somebody that's used it and can testify to what their experience has been and what the successful has been. Um, so that's absolutely incredible. Going back to your decision-making process and saying, you know, I have this amazing executive job. I have a pretty lucrative uh, salary. I'm sure that went with right. that. You know, how difficult was that really to say goodbye? Because I've actually talked about that some with my husband and some of my friends that I wouldn't call it that I had personally when I left corporate America golden handcuffs, but it was a significant enough uh, payday that you really had to ask yourself, what am I doing? You know, I think that I had those moments and a handful of sleepless nights about giving up 
that kind of security from a financial perspective. Um, but, you know, we almost made it like a game. Um, where can I save money? How, you know, I was never certainly a person who was, you know, clipping coupons and going to the grocery store, but I learned how to do that. Um, or, you know, if I were planning meals for the week, um, you know, instead of, you know, ABC, maybe I was doing pasta and taco night a couple of nights a week. I mean, we cut my husband and I, you know, when you have a good partner, I think it makes it a lot easier. Um, you know, people that are supportive of you, um, we made it like a game. So we would kind of budget. Okay. So, you know, maybe back in the day we would spend $250 a week on groceries when now we're only going to spend a hundred. So let's figure out how we're going to do that. So, you know, but my kids never missed out. We still took vacations. We didn't stay at five-star hotels, you know, went to the beach and stayed at a, a hotel a couple of blocks back. No one really ever missed out, but the benefit of being able to be home, um, to be present, um, to be building this business, to getting to sort of enjoy the people that I was meeting and the work that I was doing, it was definitely all worth it. I mean, there was nothing I think more important for me at the time was, you know, that time in the morning, um, getting their breakfast and getting them off to school. And then I had all day uh, to work my business. But, you know, at night we sat down together as a family. Um, you know, I put those kids to bed and read them books, never missed anything. For me, that sacrifice was worth it. Now, on the flip side, um, if you don't have that financial support, um, maybe you don't have a spouse um, or a significant other or, you know, a family that is able to kind of help you you know, save your money a bit and then take a year off and see if you can make a go of it. Um, and if you can, phenomenal. Now you have a business. If you can't, then you can always go back and get a job. Um, but I think that the key here is that you have to realize that you're never going to go from working in a corporate role to being an entrepreneur and enjoying the same sort of financial stability from the outset. There's always going to be a, a little bit of time that passes before you get to that point. And if you're willing to do it and if you're willing to take the chance, Sometimes it pays off. Sometimes it doesn't. But at least you've had the experience. Yeah. And betting on yourself. You know, if you have a dream, if you have a passion, if you have a goal, something that is placed on your card that is moving you to action, it can be scary. It can be hard. It can be, you know, sacrifice. It has to be made. But I think that you're leaving something out there if you don't give it a try. And I know from my own story, that is that's what it was. I said, I have more to offer than just working in this corporate position. I also wanted flexibility for my kids. And how can I, you know, look back on my life and be really happy with what all I did if I didn't at least give it a try? And like you, I also have a supportive spouse, um, but it still made it very difficult. Now, what I have found, and I was talking to a woman recently who is going through a divorce and is looking for some career guidance and wanting some help and how to maneuver that and how to work through. And what I love talking about, ladies, too, and I'm sure you do this all day in your job, is talking about transferable skills, translatable skills that can jump industries. Um, but what kept coming up in was her fear around money and you know, dining out and doing other stuff. And so what I'm hearing you say is that yeah. I mean, if you want, you know, to climb up to X in this different goal and this different lifestyle, you need to focus on the positive. You know, we talk about what we're taking away. We're taking away the salary. We're taking away comfort. We're taking away all these things, but it's probably helpful to focus. And you have focused on that a lot is what you're gaining, being there in the morning with your kids, getting them off the bus, having home cooked meals, having the flexibility to do all the school activities. So focusing on what you're gaining, and then how you can make it work through some self-sacrifice. Oh, trust me, there were plenty of times that, you know, my husband would say, okay, there's, you know, 500 bucks left for the month. And I'm like, what? Are you kidding? That's crazy. You know, work, I want to do this or I want to do it. There were times I thought, oh, this is insane. I really just need to go back to work. What am I doing? But you know what? You plug along <laughs> again. You know, I really want those shoes. Can't have them. Um, you know, but you have to uh, say to yourself, you know, what is it that I really want out of that? I think that we're a world that, and listen, it doesn't have to be about children or family or anything else. It could be about flexibility. It could be about autonomy. I mean, I'm not encouraging, uh, you know, people that don't have children to go be entrepreneurs because, you know, they want to put their kids on the bus. I, I mean, it's really, it comes down to how you want to live Absolutely. your life. Um, 
But, you know, there's there's no way really to transition from going to, you know, from a six figure corporate job to zero. I mean, that's just the brass tacks of it all. Um, But if you are willing to make the sacrifice, even if your business isn't successful, there's something that you've gained about owning it. But if your business is successful, now you've just put yourself in a completely different situation or potential than you ever had working for anybody else. I never thought the business would make a million dollars. Last year, we made 10. That's a lot of resumes. It's a lot of people. It's a lot of customers. It's so much fun. Um, You know, there are some headaches that come with that, without a doubt. But the idea that you can go from someone who has always worked from someone else to have a job that you love, um, a a service that you're providing that is meaningful to people and friends that you've made. I have uh, contacts and clients um, and what I consider to be friends um, in every industry around every corner of this globe that I could call anytime, day or night for a favor and they would all do it for me. That to me is the most meaningful thing that I've done. Plus the fact that we tend to, at Storyline Resumes, um, hire women. No, we do have some uh, men um, on our staff, but I am a huge um, supporter of empowerment for women. So for my staff, whether you're a writer or you're an admin, you're a salesperson, you know, you work in what is called the office. We all work virtual. We call it an office because we're on an office Slack channel um, or you're an interviewer is the ability to change your life. We pay our team extraordinarily well, way above market rate for comparable positions. But I want to empower women to have an opportunity to raise their children, live a good life, um, to leave bad situations, whether or not that is a relationship, whether or not it's a job, whether or not it's a place where they were feeling undervalued and underpaid, maybe we're a stepping stone for some people and that's fine as well. But for me now at this point in my life, it's no longer really about the money, right? It's really about the ability to give someone an opportunity um, to do something that maybe I would have wanted to do um, if somebody would have given me that opportunity. And for me, that's really what I'm most proud of. Yes, and that's incredible. And and it's so crazy. And this is why your content resonated with me so much is because (laughs) those are all the things that I'm aligned with and that you know, I'm really looking for and achieving in my life. Uh, It's not necessarily for the money. I'm very blessed. I didn't come from a silver spoon kind of background and neither did my husband, um, but we've managed to get very comfortable. Um, And so having the opportunity to look for uh, fulfilling a purpose, which to me is impact and inspiration for other people. And that's exactly what I think you're doing every day, both in your personal and in your content and in your, uh, your work. But what I think is really fascinating that you have kind of a bird's eye view is, you know, into the corporate structure, into uh, both large and small companies and working with so many women um, on their resumes themselves. So, you know, I'm really curious, what do you see that is keeping companies from offering more flexibility or more opportunities uh, for women that would fit um, with different stages of life. Yeah, I mean, I think that, you know, since the pandemic, there's been a huge debate about, um, you know, do you want to work in an office? Do people want to work from home? Do people want flexibility? Do they want hybrid, whatever? Um, I think the biggest thing that keeps companies from offering the kind of flexibility that women really want is a control thing, right? We want to be able to control where you are, the work that you're doing, the productivity that you're putting out, yada, yada, yada. Now, during the pandemic, everybody was sort of forced to work from their dining room tables, right? I always say, hey, but we're running the world from our dining room tables. And, you know, we were doing just fine. Then there's this kind of, and it's normal to want to get back to, you know, to normal to where we were before. And you're seeing a huge push, but a lot of things have happened during that period of time, right? The Great Recession happened. You've got, you know, a month in 2021 where, um, or 2020, 4 million people quit their jobs. You've got all over the news, huge corporations that, you know, lay out a blanket demand and say, hey, everybody needs to come back to the office and half the people don't show up. There is nothing more glaring than I do not want to work in an office than not showing up for work. Companies that have taken notice 
made the changes, uh, put those hybrid, those flex plans, those part-time job uh, opportunities um, in place are now enjoying a much greater pool of candidate. Um, The competition for those jobs has become fierce, so they're enjoying a really great quality of candidate. And they are finding that their employees are happier and more productive um, in those kinds of situations. I'm not saying that you can't go to work for in an office nine to five, Monday through Friday, and be you know um, wildly happy. You can. But a lot of people have come out and said, through their words and their actions, We don't want to work like we were working before. We don't want to work 60, 70 hours a week. We don't want to be overworked. We don't want to work weekends. We don't want to work holidays. We don't want to be at your beck and call 24-7. We don't want to be on call. We don't want to answer emails at night. People have really shifted what is important to them. Um, And I've seen over the past, you know, three years, that's really around home, right? It's around family. It's around, uh, you know, being able to collaborate with your peers without having to take a bus or a train or the subway or drive a car or pay for parking, right? It's the ability to work and collaborate, communicate, and still be extraordinarily effective while doing that from home. Well, there's like a whole landslide of stuff that happens after that, right? You've saved money. You're, if you have children, you're home for those kids. Um, you're maybe sitting to, down together more as a family. Um, you're learning how to communicate effectively through technology. And you're still, you know, making your goals, making your numbers. You're still being successful. People want that. Lots of people want to go back to the office and that's great. I'm not saying it's not. But if you're somebody that wants flexibility, there's never been a greater time in history uh, to be looking for flexibility in a job because companies have listened. I, I always like to think about where did this come from and how did we get to where we are and, 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 and you know, what makes people tick? If we look back before the Industrial Revolution, Robin, you know, vast majority of the world was working with their families day and night, agriculturally, small businesses, you know, doing, you know. Mine worked in the coal mines, grandfather, uncles, sons, grandson. Yes, that's what they did. And they worked together. And they're all together. And so now in this modern era, why are we looking for other gaps? Why are we looking for other things? Because we're really not spending enough time in our village. You know, there, 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 there is a lack of villages and uh, jobs take people far and wide. And that is okay too. Um, it's it's great to be independent. It's great to move on. And if, like you said, working in an office nine to five, it works for you. It works for your lifestyle. Great. But I do think there is that nagging thing in our DNA and especially in women that wants to be with your tribe, that wants to be with your family more often. And since you can't do that with traditional or uh, modern day jobs, you know, it's natural that people want more flexibility to do that, you know, and say, you know, today I have to take my elderly grandmother to the doctor. So I'm going to work from 12 to seven because I need to be out for the weekend or for the morning or whatever it may be. Um, But I'm glad that you're seeing more because I feel like I'm not seeing quite that huge uptick. So on flexible jobs, I think it's pretty obvious where you can look. But when it comes to, you know, um, scaled back hours, are you seeing people offering any uh, more opportunities for job sharing or a part-time, um, especially for professional women? And if so, where can they find these kind of opportunities? Yeah, I mean, I'm seeing more part-time. I'm not seeing job sharing so much. Uh, That space has sort of come and gone, um, but I am seeing part-time. I'm also seeing consulting. I'm seeing contract work. And I am telling our clients, do not be afraid of contract work. Back in the day, you know, because we work with executives, our client base tends to be a little bit older. So I say a lot of back in the day. But back in the Mm -hmm. day, you know, people were afraid of contract, right? Well, there's no security. You know, they can cut you at any time, uh, you know, blah, blah, blah. 
The fact is that any company anytime can cut you. There really is no loyalty corporate wide, um, you know, anymore. Just on, you know, LinkedIn just a little bit ago, I was uh, reading a story about a girl that posted that her father took his own life. 40 years with the same company. He was sort of a workaholic. He was loyal to them, dedicated to them. They realized that he had stress-related mental health issues that came from the job and no one did a thing about it. So I'm not saying that companies, you know, don't care if you live or die. What I'm saying is that there's not really that sense of I'm going to work for a company and, you know, I'm going to retire from there. There just really isn't anymore. People Mm -hmm. move on, they move up, they evolve, whatever. Um, so if you're trying to find that, you're probably not. Um, but the idea of working a contract is you have just as much stability, um, or loyalty, um, or reliability in that job as you would any other job, which would be considered traditional employment. Because let's face it, if you sign a contract to work for six months, you're probably going to work for six months. You might take a job with an employer and next week they can come in and fire you and there's nothing to keep them from doing that. We live in an at-will employment society, so they can really come in and let you go for any reason. We had a client not long ago um, who took a job, picked up her family, moved them across the country, was in California, literally unpacking the moving van um, as the furniture was being put in their new house when she got the call that her job offer was rescinded. So, wow. you know, if you're banking on loyalty, don't. I'm not saying there aren't good companies. There's plenty of good companies, but there's a million different stories as to why you need to be looking out for yourself. So don't be afraid of contract positions. Don't be afraid of short-term or interim positions. Whatever it is that you need to do, you know, to uh, be happy, pay the bills, uh, create the kind of life that you want. Maybe you're looking for sort of an interim situation while your kids are little and you're going to work that contract for a couple of years. Whatever. Take it. Don't be afraid of any kind of employment situation because there's plenty of them. Yeah. And you actually highlighted a point on contracts. It's a a huge benefit. Oftentimes, what I've seen also is that contract employment does have at least a starting period, three months, six months, 12 months, whatever, and you can possibly negotiate that. Um, So that that actually might give you more stability um, than a new job. And if you just needed to stock away some money, squirrel away some money, or potentially they they want a contract position because they don't want somebody full-time. That's where I often see contract positions too. That could give somebody... We see it all the time. Absolutely. And that can be the key for a single woman or a single mom that you know maybe can't just completely quit the corporate world, but maybe that is the lifeline, right. the, 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 the tether that keeps you um, financially sound while you're trying to start your... Um, you know, your new business, your passion or whatever it is that you want to do. We had a client not long ago. Um, he was in his 60s. He'd been a, a corporate executive for many, many years. He was looking for another uh, chief operating officer position. And he was kind of getting tired of the endless interview cycle. And, you know, then they don't hear, but you don't hear back or then they hired internally or they put it on hold or whatever. Um, and so he ended up getting a gig uh, with private equity company. Private equity is sort of famous for bringing experts in to an organization after they've acquired it or they're investing in it or Maybe they want to sell it and they need to clean something up, whether or not that's people or processes or finance or whatever. Well, anyway, ended up going to work for them for six months, made a couple of hundred thousand dollars. And then he was done. He took the rest of the year off. And he said to me, when we updated his resume, he said, I'll never go back to a corporate job. Um, this is the only kind of situation that I want from now on. So you I know, love you that. find that a lot. Yeah. That's also one of the points that I love to talk to people about and just really want people to understand you mentioned that he was an older, uh, 60 maybe, and uh, that you can make a change then. That is still plenty of time, you know, especially if, absolutely, you know, you're working with the right people, the right people that see value in you, which is what you want. You don't want to work with everybody. You want to work with the people that value something in you. And if somebody values it in you, it doesn't matter if you're 60 or 70. It's never too late to reinvent yourself or do something new. Absolutely. Yeah. Yes, yes, yes. Um, one of my very favorite clients uh, for many, this many, many years ago, um, he was a New York City cop. He was from the Bronx. And um, I've told this story 
plenty of times. But anyway, he was an Italian guy. I'm Italian. So, you know, we uh, sort of, you know, uh, got on the phone and connected very quickly. And he was married to an Italian girl and they had five daughters. And his father was a cop. His grandfather was a cop. His brothers were all cop. I mean, it was all really that he ever was going to do with his life, right? Because that just was the legacy of his family. They were all police officers. Well, every day his wife would say, I'm so afraid when you leave to go to work that something's going to happen to you. You're going to leave me alone with these five little girls. Please, please, please do something else. Do something else. So after several years of this, he finally said, okay, you know, I'll maybe go back to school. So he ended up going to college and he ended up getting a, a bachelor's degree. And so when he came to us, he was newly out of college. He had obviously some police experience in his background. So he did his resume. We landed his first corporate security job. Many, 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 many years later, um, he ended up, uh, I re- and I can remember, you know, what he would call whenever I would pick up the phone, because through the years, you know, I would be the one that would answer the phone. Now there's other people that answer the phone. But when I would pick up the phone, it was like, he would talk to me like, you know, we just talked yesterday instead of six years ago or seven years ago. He always remembered my kids' names. Um, and so he would say, I need an update, Robin. Um, you know, this is going on. And I'd say, okay, okay, you know, we'll get some information. We'll update everything. Well, he went from doing that. And by the time, um, you know, the last time we had worked with him, um, he had just taken um, a chief, um, you know, a global security position for a very well-known tech company and signed a $1.2 wow. million dollar employment contract. <laughs> so when you think about an evolution in someone's life, um, because they or someone else wanted them to do something different or make different choices or, and again, it's not about the money. It's really about, um, you know, the ability to change and adapt um, to something that works best for you and best for your family or whatever the case may be and how that can happen. Um, He was just, you know, he still talked like a cop, sounded like a cop, acted like a, but, you know, now he's a corporate executive. Um, But the moral of this story is that it's never too late to get out of something. So say you go to school uh, to be an accountant. Like this morning, I got a note from a young lady that said, I went to school to be an accountant and I hate accounting. And I said, well, let's talk about doing something different. So, you know, I got her set up with my team and through this process um, of uh, telling their professional story, you know, we have our clients do like a mock job search during the process when we're writing their resumes, where we get them really thinking about what they want to do next and what skills, like you'd mentioned, are transferable and how can we turn you into something different on paper that people will recognize and call you for an interview. So it's that kind of thing. You don't ever have to feel stuck. People evolve. I could tell you the craziest stories. If if you had 10 days here, it wouldn't be enough for the crazy stories that I could tell you about where people started up and where they ended because they were willing to take a chance. Well, that's just it. You know, I'd like to, I wrote it down even. It's never too late to change where you are or what you're doing. It is never too late to change where you are or what you're doing. Because that is at the essence of the message that I want to bring to people that whether you're stuck, whether you're unhappy, whether this, whatever you're doing is just not serving you and bringing you ultimate happiness, that it's not too late. I had to wrestle with that myself. I remember I was running with my still, we were newly friends. It's so crazy to think about because I remember she had a three-year-old at the time. I didn't have any kids and now I have little kids and hers are graduating um, but <laughs> I had <laughs> been presented with this. I mean, I feel like it was yesterday, Robin. And I remember she was a lawyer, had practiced for four or five years, um, followed her husband, uh, to another state and she wasn't licensed in the state. So she said, I'm going to go back and get my MBA. And as it turns out, she went into insurance and risk management, um, And I was talking to her about that because I had been presented with a job outside of law. And I just told her that I was wrestling with the identity and the thought that I went to school to do this, that I gave up quite a lot, uh, opportunity costs and all that to go to law school. Yes. And that I wasn't going to have this identity. And it's like, now I'm a CPA or I'm a this or I'm a that. And how do you lose that identity? Because that identity, that job title is not you. I had to accept that and roll the dice and say, whatever happens. And if at the end of the day, I could come back to working a true legal job and get another job with a salary or do anything else, 
But uh, the opportunity was so interesting that I let go of that. But it wasn't without, you know, discussion, internal conflict. Um, and, you know, that can be hard for people. That can be really, really hard for people, um, especially when you've invested years. Um, but I love that you tell people that because I, I mean, I remember talking to my mom about those kind of things when I was in high school, like, mom, it's okay. You can do something different. You're not stuck. Sure. We actually have, uh, we have four attorneys on staff here at Storyland Resumes. You cannot believe the number of people that do not want to be attorneys anymore. One of <laughs> our most prolific writers, he's here now, I want to say going on 13 or 14 years, um, was an attorney. Um, you know, attorneys are fantastic writers. They don't, they aren't necessarily fantastic resume writers until you learn that skill to, you know, be a resume yeah. writer and what we call the storyline philosophy as far as our approach is concerned around storytelling and accomplishments and, you know, yada, yada, yada. Um, but it's amazing. And so for all of these years, he's been working from home. His wife um, is a project, a very high level project person for a technology company. She travels all over the world. So I remember when their baby was born and she's probably now in fourth or fifth grade. Um, and he's been able to stay home. And one of, you know, a couple of our uh, uh, folks in the office, you know, they're connected on Facebook and she and one of the girls is like, you should see the meals that, you know, this person puts up on bait. And I'm like, that's awesome. So if you were, you know, in law, um, you know, or you were in a corporate role, you're probably not doing that. But, you know, like my whole crew works from home. Um, he makes more um, in terms of his salary um, than what he was making in a corporate environment. Um, it's a job that he loves that he's extremely good at. Um, it's not stressful for him because, you know, he's been doing it for so long um, and he had the chance to raise his kid. And, you know, it's just, uh, I think it's such a cool story. But we have um, attorneys that are interviewers on our team and we have attorneys that are writers on our staff. That's amazing. Yeah, I, I talk to a lot of young people who either want to go to law school or in law school because I really love mentoring yeah. and helping people find that right path. And that's what I tell people. If you haven't, you know, you really need to th think about if you're going to invest the time, what is it that you want to achieve from going to law school? Do you want to be a lawyer? Are you looking at being a partner? Do you want to be a litigator? Is there something else you want to accomplish? If you want to learn the skills that they teach you, which I do think are great, transferable skills that can make you great at so many things, um, like what I've done in insurance, I, being an advocate, you know, arguing with people over claims and different stuff like that. Um, you know, yes. I learned those skills in law school. Absolutely. Um, but if you're married to the thought of being a lawyer, you know, maybe work in uh, a law office for a little bit. I've also known people that did actually follow my advice on that and said, this is not for me. Nope. Not for me. Sure. That's, I have a nephew that wanted to be an architect. He spent two days at an architectural firm and he said, all they do is sit at a desk. It's not what he had in mind. So he yeah. up, you know, he's a petroleum engineer and he's on project sites all the time. He travels all over and he loves it. But it is so true to be able to take that advice. And so I think that, you know, that's probably really good advice that you can give to people that want to make career changes. And it doesn't necessarily have to be a kid or someone right out of college or thinking about college. I mean, it could be anybody, right? So if you're thinking about going into, you know, sales and technology, um, you know, see if you can go and do a ride along with somebody um, and, and see what their day is like. Uh, if you want to do tech sales or maybe you want to work in healthcare administration, go to a hospital and, you know, see if you can get involved in a program that you can kind of see or talk to somebody um, about what their day to day is like. It isn't necessarily always what you think. Maybe it's going to be more exciting than you thought it was. Maybe it's going to be less. But if your ultimate goal is to, you know, help people or to uh, get them out of bad situations, there's plenty of ways to do that, right, Crystal? Um, than uh, just going to law school. There's, uh, you know, other kinds of avenues that you can pursue. So I think being informed or being educated and asking questions, I have people that reach out to me every single day on LinkedIn that say, and maybe it's a young mom or maybe it's a, a young male professional or a, a, a somebody who loves to write or who's been um, in journalism or whatever. And they ask me, do you think I could do this? And I, you know, and I always take the time. I always 
uh, try to uh, respond with a little bit of advice and ask yourself the question, is this something that you would have a passion for? You know, is it competitive? Yes. Is it a lot of work? Absolutely. Are you going to be, you know, uh, rolling in money right from the out? No, it's not. I mean, it's, you know, it takes time to build. But, you know, when you ask someone for advice or someone that you see online or somebody like me who's, um, you know, all over LinkedIn, um, and they take the time to respond, um, you know, they're probably doing, uh, you know, I don't want to say they're doing you a favor. They're uh, they're doing you a solid uh, by um, you know kind of giving you real true. I never sugarcoat anything. So if somebody says, "Is it easy?" the answer is absolutely not. But can I do it? And the answer is always one hundred percent yes. That is what I love about you. And don't be afraid. Don't be afraid to ask people that you see and know on LinkedIn. And likewise, when you think about it, whether you're talking to other people or you're talking to yourself, because sometimes we have to give ourselves motivational self talk or real talk. Don't sugarcoat it. That is the best thing, you know, when people give this beautiful, best look at what your career is, no matter what industry it is, it's really not doing them a service because we probably already idealize what it's like to be a lawyer or what it's like to own your own business or what it's like to be a doctor. People really need to understand what is the real day-to-day look like because that's going to shape your happiness. And I think at the end of the day, that's what everybody's looking for is happiness. That's why people come to you. They want to get a new job that's going to bring them more satisfaction, more happiness. Maybe they think that's just in money, but it's ultimately about the satisfaction and the happiness factor. Um, And that's why people really need to be brave and own what they want so they can figure out a path that's going to get them there. Um, And it sounds like you guys do that. (laughs) Sure. And it's not always glamorous and you're not doing anybody any favors by telling them that it is because it certainly isn't. You know, my husband was just uh, telling the story about how when the kids were little, yeah, I mean, I was here, I was home, but I was also, you know, running a business. And um, he sort of uh, remembered that, you know, like on Christmas day, for instance, for years, um, I would get up at three or four o'clock in the morning. He would be up half the night putting together the toys or whatever. I would get the kids to bed. Then I'd get up at three o'clock and I'd stuff the turkey and I'd put it in the oven. And then I would go upstairs and answer emails, you know, that came in because I knew that when Christmas was over, you know, I needed business. I needed to be supportive of my clients. I needed to be answering those emails. So I would take an hour or two. And sometimes he'd be say, you know, he'd be at the steps, Robin, come down. You're going to miss the kids opening their present. So yeah, I mean, you start a business because you want to spend time with your kids. But, you know, starting a business is a lot of work. It's not like, you know, you're hanging out with kids 99% of the time. I mean, it's still a balancing act, right? Now, the benefit is that I was here, so which was beautiful. But, uh, you know, the, the, the not so glamorous side is that on Christmas morning, I was answering emails. So, you know, I think that when you tell people what it's really like, um, you know, to start a business and whether it's, you know, this kind of business or what you're doing or a different kind of job, it's best not to really sugarcoat it because there is really no idealistic. I, I don't think there is a job that you get paid for laying on the beach and reading a book. If there is is someone go ahead and call us because we are they hiring what that is (laughs) outside of that yeah and are they hiring can i be a donut tester um my my new thing is that um when i retire i'm going to be a baby holder yes (laughs) have you heard of this where they you know the the preemies you get to go so i'm like i'm like this is what i'm going to do in my retirement Uh, but anyway um you know so there's upsides and downsides uh the goal is to have more upsides and downsides i think that's the bottom line so during that early period since you touched on that with christmas story in that early period or the first you know eight or ten years how did you prioritize your time like how did you schedule it i mean you we always think about what's the flexibility i can tell you what's happened to me is it's all comes to you everything you live and die by is on you and with a super type a personality it's hard for me to carve it back and stick and that's one of my things for 2023 is that i really want to work on i'm doing my work in these focused times i have these days that i work late but the other days i am going to make sure that i am with the kids the rest of the time so how is it that you carved it up and how how did you work on vacations and how did you do all that manage it like what did that look like <laughs> 
Yeah, I mean, I didn't really take too many vacations um, as it was growing. I remember like the first vacation that we took where I was away the entire week that there were other people running the office was probably about nine years into the business. I'm not saying that we didn't get away for a long weekend or whatever. You know, it's when you're like a sole proprietor, um, it's only you and maybe a couple of other people. It's very difficult to get away because, you know, you've got payroll each week and you've got bills, you've got taxes, whatever. Um, So I didn't really take a lot of long term vacations. But what I did do was, um, you know, every day when my kids were in school, that's when I worked. If my kids were off school, um, say it was like a, I don't want to say like a long-term holiday, uh, like a two-week at Christmas or summer, but like if they had the day off, I would work a half day. Um, But I can tell you for many, many years at night after the kids went to bed, I went back to work. Um, But I was always with them from the time they got home from school or, you know, pretty close. Or sometimes I'd let themselves in because they would get home at 3 or 3.30. They'd let themselves in, have a snack, watch cartoons, whatever. And then we would all sit down to dinner at 5. And then I was with them. I was theirs all night long. But, you know, after homework and bath time and bedtime, you know, there were plenty of times that I went back in. I remember working, I, I got contracted to do, to do a whole group of executive resume packages for a company that was leaving the U.S. market, and they were all on the West Coast. So I would do their resume yeah. interviews at night. So sometimes it'd be 11, 12, 1 o'clock in the morning, and I'd be interviewing people, you know, in my office trying to be quiet because my office was, you know, where the kids' bedrooms were, um, trying to be quiet and kind of keep... So you you try to balance it. A lot of people are really great at shutting the door and shutting off the phone and, you know, this and that. But I can tell you even now, 23 years later, you know, I'm always popping in and checking emails or, uh, you know, um, answering a question or two from the team. But yeah, I mean, you do have to find some balance. You can't, you have to remember why it is that you're doing it. You're doing it because you want to spend you know, better or more quality time with your family. And if you're working more hours as an entrepreneur than you were as an employee, um, you know, 10 years, you know, in, then, you know, probably wasn't really a right decision. So, but what's the objective? What is it that you're trying to do here? If it's all about, um, you know, making a better life or making loads of money or whatever, then more power to you. But for me, the objective really was that balance with the kids. And that's where you have to figure out what works, whether or not that's saying I'm not going to go into my office from five to 10, or I'm going to take the weekends off or whatever. But I found that working from home, like people always talk about working from home, you have to have these rules. I was never very good at that. You know, I might be um, I'm up always super, super duper early. So like this morning at 4 a.m., I was in clearing out emails, you know, still to this day. Um, but I enjoy that quiet time. And then, you know, around 10, 11 o'clock, I'm done for the day and the rest of the crew, you know, they come in at eight and they take care of um, everything else. But yeah, I mean, you just find yeah. what works for you, I think. That's excellent. So, so what, no you know, you've done rules. so much, 23 years of the business, you've built a great you know, phenomenal business, served so many people, um, helped people, other people reach their dreams and goals and objectives. So what is next for Robin's story? What, I mean, I I, I can hear in you a book, uh, maybe a uh, content writing class. What else is <laughs> Robin going to do? Yeah, I mean, I love this. I love the podcasts. You know, I get asked to do a lot of speaking engagements and people are always like, you know, what is your charge? And I'm like, oh, no charge. My husband's like, come on. I'm like, I don't feel that way anymore that I need to do that. I I want to um, share um, information. I want to share advice. I definitely want to empower people. Um, yeah, I mean, you know, my daughter, um, Alexa, who was a book editor in New York City um, and ended up coming home for the pandemic, um, it was sort of a fluke that she ended up coming home. She had uh, her apartment uh, it was going away. A couple of one of her roommates was moving to London. The other one uh, met a boy and she was moving in with him. And um, Lexi was like, you know, I can't afford this apartment on my own. I think I'm going to come home for a couple of months to regroup. Um, so she came home in um, October of that year and then she stayed through Christmas and then we were going to go. Um, she wanted to go to New Jersey um, and, you know, get a place there and then commute into the city. And um, I said, oh, I'll just stay home a little longer. You know, I was so enjoying um, her being here um, as an adult. And then the pandemic struck. And so she ended up staying for a while. And I said, why don't you at least come to work for me part time until you figure out what you're going to do? Well, now she is actually running the day to day operations of the business. Um, so she did end up going to New Jersey. She does live at the beach, which is great. Uh, but 
So these years I've been teaching her how to, um, you know, run a business and she is phenomenal. Well, first of all, she's an editor by trade, but she just has sort of great, calm personality. Um, and she's very, very tech savvy. So, you know, these past two years, we've done like huge investments in our technology uh, for our business and kind of how we manage our teams. And um, so it's been sort of a family labor of love. And now she has such a passion for it and the people and their stories. And now she's like, oh, mom, now I know why does it you were like so crazy all these years about, you know, everybody that you met and always talking about these stories, because it is something that is, you know, so addictive. That's so exciting. I mean, I really hear, I mean, I can just see, Robin, a collection of short stories, interviews over the years, something really funny and catchy to inspire people, give them hope uh, and make them laugh with your daughter as the book editor. I mean, this is meant to be, definitely. And I will... One of these days, I'm going to figure it out. Everybody wants me to write a book. I'm like, what am I writing a book about? But I do have a lot of stories to tell and they're all pretty cool. So um, I've been really, really blessed. Well, we so appreciate your time and launching us off into Get Clear with Crystal Wear so that we can bring women opportunities to get clear on their vision and their purpose and what they want to do in their life, figure out how to own that worth because that's such a critical piece of it and really becoming everyday CEOs of your life, of your family, of your career. So it's been wonderful talking to you, Robin. Thank you so much for sharing your story, uh, your wisdom with us. I know that I'm going to be able to talk you into coming back and sharing some short clips with people on some practical tips and tools and tricks that you've learned over the years and seen with your experience and how to help them get where they want to go and maybe some wisdom on LinkedIn uh, with your great, prolific, amazing content. It is very clear to me why so many people um, read, follow, and uh, comment on yours uh, because you really do have a way with words and telling stories. Truly, it's very good. You are so kind. Thank you so much for having me. It was so much fun. Yeah, and and the last thing I want to leave with, is there anything that you would want to share about your story, your life, your career, your business that I didn't touch on? Um, I I think that it's this. So I tell this story about, um, I, I actually posted about my mother-in-law this week. Um, my mother-in-law rented her house for 50 years. And when the time came and the house came up for sale, my husband and I bought it. Um, it wasn't an expensive house by any means, but you know, I always joke that I was so happy that we bought this house because I didn't want her to move in with us, but he wanted to make sure, um, you know, that she was, uh, never going to be displaced from the only home that she had known for 50 years. And she was a lovely person and I'm totally joking. She could have totally moved in here. Uh, but anyway, so in Pennsylvania, there's, uh, houses and maybe, uh, you know, you have them where you are, but you know, we live in an area where it's a lot of old coal mining towns and they're called duplexes, right? So it's a half of a house. So you have a half of a house on one side and a half of a house on the other. So anyway, so we bought this house and uh, my mother-in-law lived on one side and the duplex was empty. And about uh, three or four months after we bought it, got it all cleaned up, my husband said, you know, we should really rent this out. So we put an ad in the paper and this young man came and he wanted to rent the house. And um, I had known that he was married to a girl, you know, I knew her mother, not, I, I mean, we weren't like close friends or anything, but I know that they were fairly recently married and they had a little girl. And I said, you know, why do you want this, uh, you know, apartment? And he said, oh, he said, you know, I'm getting a divorce. And I said, oh, you know, I'm so sad to hear that. And, you know, I'm like a neb nose, right? And I'm like, what happened? And, you know, your baby's so cute and blah, blah, blah. And he said, well, you know, she just said that she didn't love me uh-huh. anymore. And I said, honey, you know, I've been married for a long time. There are days that you adore each other. And there are other days, you know, you can't live without each other. And there are other days you want to stab each other in the eye with pork, right? I mean, that's just the nature of marriage. And I think that that is sort of the perfect reflection of being in business as well, right? There are days that you can't wait to get in and get started. And there are other days that you can't wait for that day to end. So I think that 
as long as you have an idea of the ebbs and flows um, of what it takes, um, that not every day is going to be spectacular. And there's going to be, you know, days that you didn't have time to take a shower or, you know, maybe a day that, you know, yeah, something went wrong or you had a customer that was unhappy or you had uh, a technology. You have to realize that just like life, not everything is perfect all the time. And if you're prepared for that and you can kind of go through the ups and downs, you're going to be just fine. That's great wisdom and great advice because it's true. You have to have the stick with itness. You have to be prepared and you have to be willing to work and sacrifice. Um, the hope is that 90 day, 90% of the time or 80% of the time, more often than not, it's great. But we cannot expect that. We have to be realistic. Um, and that's great right. advice uh, for life for business and also for marriage, because that is very, very true for anybody that's been married longer than a year. <laughs> <It is true. laughs> well, that's great. Thank you so much, right. Robin. We really appreciate it. We can't wait to continue some conversations with you. Um, guys, you can subscribe to the podcast. Look at the show notes. We'll have information uh, about Robin's LinkedIn. So you can get all of her great content as well as her business website, so if you are looking for a change, if you're feeling stuck, if you need some help and you want to position yourself uh, for looking for great opportunities and having that killer resume that you can reach out to Robin's team and they can help you fulfill your goals in life and career as well, because they are intertwined very much so. That's right. Thanks for listening in. If you loved what you heard, it would mean so much to me if you shared it with your friends. Tag us on social media so we can give you a big shout out. Don't forget to subscribe and leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. If you want more, head on over to the website where you can learn all about what we do to serve and support our entire community. Until next time, keep dreaming big and getting clear. You are made for more. So start living like it today.